What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Going For It. It's our sports marketing, sports business podcast. I'm Carson Tinker. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you came back for more, this is your second time around. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting us. Today, we're talking with Tom Fletcher. Tom is the Senior Vice President of Marketing Partnerships for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. I actually know Tom through football, more so through his son, Thomas, who is the long snapper at the University of Alabama right now. He's going into his senior season. Uh, We talk about Thomas a little bit, but I'm so proud of Thomas. actually helped recruit Thomas to Alabama, so I'd obviously take take some pride in Thomas. He's doing well. He's an outstanding individual and a great ambassador for the University of Alabama and the football team there. Today, we talked to Tom about his journey. He started doing sports marketing with 24-Hour Fitness, went on to work for the Portland Trailblazers, did a huge stint at IMG, and now he's working for the Phoenix Suns. I hope you enjoy the show. If you have any recommendations, please reach out to me on Twitter, at Carson Tink. Uh, We just want to make the show the best we can and provide everyone with the knowledge that they want to hear. So any recommendations you have on how to make the show better, I'd love to hear it. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, Tom, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, buddy. How you doing? Good I see to see you. The, uh, so you got the Peloton in the background, man. You big Peloton guy? I am. Uh, it is uh, through this COVID, it, it has been my release. There's no doubt. Um, I got fortunate when COVID first hit is we, we built a little gym on the back patio uh, to just get a little bit of lifting in. And then the Peloton has been my escape and trying to chase these PGA golfers who were all over it. And then uh, some long snappers across the country that were uh, getting after it as well. Yeah, there is a, a little bit of a long snap in uh, click on Peloton. There is. It's, uh, it's easy on the knees. Do you have a favorite instructor? It's a good question. Um, I kind of kind of vacillate through. Um, I like Emma Lovewell. Um, I like Alex Toussaint, um, uh, it, and uh, he kind of gets after it. And then if I want to get yelled at, Robin does a great <laughs> job of uh, uh, taking me back to the old uh, football days of getting yelled at. <laughs> well, Tom, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're we're going to get into kind of your background a little bit, but I know Tom through long snapping, actually. His son is a snapper at Alabama, um, had to talk and believe it or not, I had to talk about it going to Florida State and, and get on board with Coach Saban. But uh, he's graduating this weekend, right? He is. Uh, he'll finish the undergrad uh, this weekend and celebrate that and then uh, start up the, the Masters for uh, this last year. How does he feel about this uh, his senior season of football? Well, uh, he feels good about himself uh, and the team. Uh, the question is, are we going to play or not? Um, and that's the tough part. Um, you know, I think uh, watching, you know, working in the NBA and how great the bubble's been, but watching Major League Baseball these last 24, 48 hours and, you know, the Marlins uh, uh, coming up with a positive test. And, I mean, shoot, and they, you you can have great distancing within that in football. You you don't have as much. So I think the, the concern certainly is on the football side of whether we play or not in the fall. But um, I think – you know, the Power Five, they've done a phenomenal job on the testing side um, on that end. So, you know, he's feeling really good about the organization and the team they have right now. And he's certainly open to play because he, he feels like they got a shot to kind of finish off on the, the right foot. Mm-hmm. His class 
his class is it's not as great as what your class was and the number of championships you guys won, but that class, that two seven two thousand seventeen class is uh pretty legit. So they lost a few of them this last year and, and Tua and Henry and and some of those and Judy and uh, those guys, but they got they got some guys coming back that should be pretty good. It it gets tougher every year for a school like Alabama because I mean the target on your back just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The further you get up the mountain, the more dangerous it gets, you know. And uh, man, is I don't know selfishly as I wanted to be, you know, the only team or the only you know group of guys that that did it. I'm so happy for uh, the, the the guys that have come behind me like Fletcher because I mean. Just watching Thomas grow and, and develop is is just I mean you got to be so proud of him. That that's the part that is amazing to look at is looking at him his freshman year uh, coming in. He graduated high school um, early, and so he started at Bama in January of what should have been his senior year of high school. Um, and just watching him transform into the person he is today. I mean he was soaking wet, two hundred pounds uh, maybe coming in, um, and now he's two thirty. Um, and just, uh, you know, on Coach Saban's leadership team for the last two years, um, just the way he, you know, the conversations and the professionalism and, and those things and the growth. And, you know, I attribute that to, to that coaching staff. Um, you know, they, they certainly put it on you, as you know. Practice isn't easy. Um, you're always on. Um, and, you know, that's what he was looking for. And, and I think uh, when we you, – you had the conversation with them, obviously, about – Florida State and AM and all that and what Bama would do. But the big thing about his choice of Bama was it's a, a four-year decision for what your 40 years are going to be like after. And like you, I think it put him in a great spot, whether he's playing on Sundays moving forward or whether he's you know going into his professional career off the field. Um, it put him in a pretty good spot. So And they did the same. I mean, football, uh, I, that's why I love hiring athletes and I love working with athletes is – um, I think it puts you in a in a pretty good spot from a discipline perspective, working with um, teammates um, and that leadership of what you need for there. Let's talk about your athletic career because you were also a long snapper, San Diego State. Are you from San Diego originally? I am. Yeah. So born and raised in kind of the North County area in San Marcos uh, of San Diego. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was one where um, I decided to stay home. Um, and, and go to school at San Diego State. Um, my dad had graduated from San Diego State. It was an opportunity where I felt like I could go and play two sports and play football and baseball. It ended up working out where kind of football was that path for me. And if I redshirted one year, I had a senior in front of me. I redshirted my freshman year and I was able to start for four years. And in my um, in my redshirt freshman year, the year that I started, we had this running back come in out of Louisiana named Marshall Falk, and it all turned for us. Three games in the season, Marshall played his first game and had seven touchdowns, 386 yards rushing, and that next week, it changed. I mean, we were our, we were Thursday night ESPN's darling, um, and we just had we just had a blast those next uh, three years while he was there and had some amazing talent on our team and. And uh, 72 and sunny every day at San Diego State wasn't very challenging. Um, so uh, I, had a, I had a great time there. And, and I was fortunate, kind of, you know, again, like you, um, of the fact of having great athletes around me. Um, there were scouts there to watch those guys. 
Um, and it, it worked out for me that they were able to see this, you know, guy snapping on the side that was pretty decent. Um, and at least, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to have a cup of coffee and kind of look at it. But, you know, I knew for me, um, you know, it, I had no idea what the football piece was going to turn into. So I focused on the academic side of it and um, made sure that, you know, the most important things was being academic all conference, getting my degree, uh, taking advantage of that uh, piece of it and set myself up for my career whenever that was going to be after football was over. I think that that's a, a big thing that kids miss, you know, today is they just want to go to the biggest school that they can go to you know, the, the biggest football school, but they forget all about the education. You know, there's a very small percentage of guys that do make it onto the NFL, but your degree, I mean, like you said, that lasts a lifetime. And it, Definitely. It, 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 it blows my mind how kids, you know, don't seem to want to take advantage of that nowadays. So that's one thing that I talk to both kids uh, on our end about my daughter's, you know, volleyball player and six um, one uh, right side hitter. I mean, she's just a, a beast. Also again, academically has done a great job there. Thomas has been um, all SEC uh, president's list at Bama. And one of the things we talked about that was one of my regrets is I redshirted and um, I did not take advantage of getting my master's on their dime. Um, and that's one thing that that we talked about is, hey, summer school's mandatory now. It wasn't when, when I was playing. And, you know, it was, hey, could you have the opportunity to finish in three years or three and a half years and get your master's uh, paid for? Um, and that was a big thing that we talked about was taking advantage of those opportunities um, on the education side for it. And so, you know, he ended up getting a degree in communications, same with business. And then did the ma he's doing the master's in business on top of it. And my daughter's done a great job on that end as well, too, uh, on the psychology side and getting after it. So. That was one when I talk to young people all the time, especially young athletes and, and stuff there is, you know, especially when you're on scholarship, take advantage of summer school, take advantage of the online opportunity for it, get it done quick, and then be able to knock out that master's while, um, you know, the university is still paying for it. Let's talk about your transition from, from playing football into the business world. I, I want to get into kind of your first job here in a little bit, but just going from football to the, the business world and, and you've been a mentor of mine for a long time. So I've, I've heard a lot of this and I think it's gold. So I want to get that out <laughs> there. What, what were some of the strengths that you felt like you were able to take from, from football, you know, being competitive and being an athlete into the business world. And then what were some of the things that you thought were a real struggle? Yeah, I, I would say the, I'll start the flip of it um, first. And the fact that, you know, it was hard. Um, it was hard going from, working out four hours a day and kind of having football be your life um, to now having to scramble and figure out, okay, what do I really want to do with that degree? And, and where do I want to go um, be able to drive that way? I think the things that the strength that worked for me was just competitive. Um, and the fact that I was, um, was not going to put myself in a position to where um, I would allow myself to fail, but I wasn't going to fail in my pursuits of, uh, my professional career and where I wanted to go. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't have in my head of, hey, this is what I want to do for my career. Um, we didn't have sports marketing uh, back when I was in school. Um, I was a communications major. Um, I got a, a minor in English. Um, I really wanted to be a cop. And I, th I thought law enforcement is where I wanted to go. 
Um, and, you know, for me, it was one where I kind of, you know, did a lot of internships that kind of gave me a taste of, of different things there. But I think the competitiveness of um, being an athlete kind of helped that drive for me. Um, I think the other big part for me in the uniqueness of it is I was married. I got married my um, senior year of college. Um, and my wife is a little bit older than me. And, you know, she was uh, in, in a great way. She was the coach and on my tail um, <laughs> and being like, hey, big boy, time to get out there and figure this thing out. Let's go. Um, so I think that helped me because, gosh, who knows? I could have just ended up on the, the beach in San Diego surfing each day and riding my beach cruiser. But, um, you know, she she certainly uh, was a great one for kind of staying on me um and you know going hey here's the things that you love here's the things you're good at and you know for me it was one like i said i i thought i was going to be a cop i took uh when i got done with the seahawks i ended up uh taking the police exam in san diego for three different police departments you could take them all at the same time um again just got done playing so i was in great shape um scored top one percent in the uh physical agility stuff well on the exam yeah yeah exactly yeah that was way back in the day uh not today back then um but it was one where um i got offered by two of the three police departments um and i happened to take a temporary job at 24 hour fitness in their marketing department when they were just getting started um and it was one where i had no idea that kind of what i was walking into and I loved it um, and hit it off with their marketing group. Uh, happened to hit it off well with the CEO. Um, they were at about a hundred clubs at the point at that point. Um, and it was one where they found out uh, that I had been offered by the two police departments and they offered to bring me on full time. Um, and it was one where my wife's like, yeah, I think I feel a little bit better about our path of you going this route versus, you know, walking into, you know, somewhere with a, a gun uh, strapped to your hip. Um, and that's kind of the path I went. And man, it it, uh, it opened up the door for me of, of, of the next 25 years of what my career was going to be uh, with that temp job opportunity. What, what was it about marketing that, that you just fell in love with? I love the fact of, of how could you get people excited about, like for us, 24 Hour Fitness, how could you get them excited about um, the our club, what we could bring to the table for them, um, how we could uh, take advantage of the fact that we were unique in the fact that we were building out uh, programs within our club that nobody had done, group fitness that people hadn't done yet, um, nutrition that, that people just hadn't paid as much attention to. Um, so how can we tap into that? And for me, being an athlete, it was one where it's like, it just fit so perfect for me in the fact that I could relate to what we were doing you know, in training camp and those things, and how could we bring that into the club itself? And and it just struck a passion for me. Um, and then about a year or two into it, I ran the promotion. So it was, you know, um, what are we going to give away that month? What are we going to do to drive traffic into the clubs and stuff there? And I sat down with our CEO, Mark Mastrove, who today, you know, still today is a mentor of mine. And and I'm in this business because of, of Mark and Mark giving me the opportunity and we sat down and he's like, look, why don't we start this sports marketing thing that everybody else is starting to do? Uh, this would have been 90, 96, 97. Um, so we ended up 
creating a sports marketing program where we started sponsoring teams. Uh, we started leveraging our brand within uh, different sports. Um, by the time kind of I was done, we had sponsored over 50 teams. Uh, we had done endorsements with Cindy Crawford, Magic Johnson, Brandy Chastain. Um, we'd been kind of knee deep in that. We started branding clubs with personalities. We opened up the first branded club with Magic Johnson. Uh, then it led to, to Shaq and, and, and some other athletes there as well, too. And, and it was one where, again, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with Nate McMillan at the Trailblazers. And, and one of the things I said to Nate is before a game, I said, hey, good luck. And, and, and he said something to me that uh, still res resonates with me today is you create your own good luck. Um, you put yourself in a position to um, build and, and drive that good luck. And I think for me, I put myself you know, in, a, in a great position and that good luck manifested from those relationships um, and it, it uh, created the opportunity for me. So tell me about when you partnered, so you partnered 24 hour fitness with like these individual teams and individual athletes and, and celebrities. Where, where did you initially get that idea? And what was like the feedback that you got when you're like, hey, I, I think we should go partner with Cindy Crawford. I mean, somebody had to just be like, that's the wildest idea ever. Yeah, no, it was, it was one where the, the team part of it was, was uh, one where we started getting approached by different, um, different teams to look at it. We created a relationship with an agency in New York that kind of opened up some of the doors for us um, there. Um, the Cindy one, our director of marketing, um, we had a relationship with Fila. And Fila kind of had that relationship with Cindy, which kind of opened up the door for it is like, okay, look, if we're gonna take our brand to the next level, there's not many more iconic brands than, than Cindy Crawford. Um, and it, it created the opportunity for us to, where we were able to layer her into all the marketing that we did. Um, when we had a grand opening for a club, Cindy was involved in that component to it. But then it started tying back to the athlete piece of it. One of the ones for me that was just an awesome moment was, you know, 19, oh, what was it, 1999 when Brandi Chastain hit the game-winning goal in the World Cup. And she, you know, took her jersey off and um, it was on the front page of Sports Illustrated. Two weeks later, she's sitting in my office um, and we, we started talking about an endorsement deal. Um, and she pulled up in the parking lot in her 1984 Mustang convertible that she's had since high school. Um, and to watch it blossom for her and her being involved with us two weeks after that, she's calling me screaming the fact that she got a brand new Volvo and all those things. So those are things there relationship wise, where it was just organic. It was an athlete that just kind of built herself, um, into that iconic brand and it fit so well for our clubs and what we were doing there. Then it became one where, okay, how can we look to bring our brand into it? So. 24-hour fitness. We started sponsoring the 24-second clock um, when looking at the NBA teams tied into our brand. If if we held, if the home team held the opponent to a 24-second clock violation, you got a week free at the club. Um, you could bring your ticket in and work out for a week for free. So again, it started tying that brand back together there, um, which was pretty cool on that side. So, um, you know, and then obviously with Magic, uh, it, it opened up doors for us in communities where we weren't uh, uh, in at the time. And Magic had done a great job of, of building uh, communities out with his Starbucks and the movie theaters. And so for us, it, it opened up new doors of opportunity for us. Um, and I mean, what a what a great 
individual as well too. So smart on the business side. Um, so that was fun to be a part of as well. Tell me about kind of the impact that, that it had on the business. I'm sure you were, you know, your name was everywhere. You were, were you were the gym, you know, what, what were some of the lessons that you learned and maybe what were some of the things that, that didn't work? I mean, you know, everybody has success yeah. stories, but I'm sure that there's just as many failures that happen. Look like, well, what's some of the lessons that you've, that you've learned along the way? So I think the one for us is we looked at it to where if we came into a market like Lincoln, Nebraska, where we came in, we bought another brand and we had to convert that brand out into the 24-hour fitness brand. So, of course, we did a, a partnership with Nebraska football and this is the mid 90s. And, and so, you know, again, uh, powerhouse. Um, and if, if you wanted to be relevant in that market, you had to have a partnership with Nebraska. And so we did a great job of turning those brands over. Same thing in Vegas. We did uh, converted over somebody else's brand into ours in those markets and those things worked out well. I think the part where we had to go back and look at was, you know, we were such such in great expansion mode um, and building the brand out. I mean, we went in four years, we went from 100 clubs to 425. I mean, which was massive. Um, I think the biggest thing we had to do is go back and, and look at we were focusing so much time and attention on those new clubs, building new clubs, turning over clubs, was going back and, and giving some love on the clubs that were the original clubs. And we could, you know, we had to go back and make sure that those got refreshed and built out. And how can we make sure that those members felt the love um, in addition to those that were uh, getting the new amenities and the new clubs there? I think the other thing too was, um, you know, and I deal with this now on the team side is how do you get a brand that you're going to partner with them because it makes a difference for their organization, not just brand to brand. So I think we started getting out of some of the deals that were just brand driven um, because we didn't need it at that point anymore is how could we turn around and be able to have a partnership that actually impacted what we were doing within the club. And that was starting to get their trainers involved in some of the group stuff that we were doing. So now there's synergies as part of that. And, and you know, Mark to this day uh, has really taken that to the next level. So you know, his organization that he has now, they've started building out the first uh, branded gyms. So they have Cowboy Fit. So it's an actually Cowboys gym um, that has um, those ties, like what we would go through in training camp or, um, uh, you know, off season workouts or anything like that. Now you as an athlete or a, you know, average Joe can be able to go in and be a part of something like that. So that's really taking it to the next level. How do just like, uh, like regular people, like not non football players, how, how do they like having like a football themed workout? I mean, is, is that something that is, is a big hit or do they just absolutely hate it and never come back? No, I mean, I think, you know, in talking to those guys, it, it's, I mean, shoot, they're exploding. I think they've got 12 teams now that they've branded out different gyms for it uh, as a part of, you know, I think when you look at the, um, you know, explosion of what happens with CrossFit, um, you know, this is one where, you know, everybody wants to feel like they got a shot at play at that next level or, you know, they're the weekend warriors and how can they, you know, be able to kind of see how they match up. But I think it's more of those techniques and those things that you go, you go through um, with the OTAs that, that is one where you as an athlete can be a part of that. It's, I think it's a, it's a great extension from the explosion of CrossFit, the explosion of orange theory and, and those things uh, and be able to kind of relate it back to, 
uh, a training camp atmosphere, and, and they've exploded. I'm waiting for kind of us to start looking at the first kind of you know, the NBA type partnership and how we can do it and what we do from uh, an explosion perspective, plyometrics and those things to um, push it on the, on the athlete side. That's really interesting. I think that, uh, you know, the average person, they look at like, you know, football players or basketball players, these professional athletes, and they try to do their workouts. And the whole time I was playing, we always looked to like the military and the Navy SEALs and we, and we would try to like think that we could do their workout and, you know, they're doing the ruck races and the, um, we always had seals that would come down and train with us at Alabama and in the NFL. So it's just really interesting that, you know, everywhere you go, everybody's got a different perspective of what they think is, you know, more, uh, macho, you know, of, of, of how they want to, you know, get their exercise in. No doubt. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, one that uh, at, at, at my alma mater at San Diego State, obviously where they're based at, the SEALs training mm-hmm. is, is right there in their backyard. And one of the things that uh, Brady Hoke and Rocky Long started um, for the senior class is they would spend, I want to say it's 48 hours with the Navy SEAL training group um, in San Diego. And it was an opportunity for those seniors to go through that bonding moment together um, and go through that SEAL training, obviously on a much smaller scale from what those guys do, but to be able to experience, you know, again, you think you're an athlete and my roommate in college um, ended up being a Navy SEAL um, after he got done playing. And you talk about taking that athleticism and that toughness and and those things to another level, couldn't even touch that. And so I think those type of things of where you can lean on it um, for learning and, and taking those, um, best practices that people do, um, and how do you tie it in? You know, and you know, this, um, I think, you know, and again, I, I only have that reference because of, of Bama and, and Thomas being there, but like coach Saban, I think does a, a great job of bringing in guest speakers and it's, uh, during camp, it's a guest speaker to, uh, that's going to enlighten you in a different way. And it's all kinds of backgrounds, yeah. you know, whether it's business people and talking about inventors and, and what they've done to and entrepreneurs or what they've done to create that piece of it, or it's bringing in, you know, um, Kobe. Um, and, t- you know, Kobe was on camera and on the microphone um, for the first 30 minutes and then turned the camera and the microphone off and talked real to those kids for the next 30, 45 minutes and, you know, like Thomas said, it was the one of the first times where that room was quiet yeah. and guys were just engaged. But it was one of those ones. You look at the best athlete in the world um, and how did he drive himself and how did he push that? And so those are things there where I think that um, all of us in business or in, as an athlete, you constantly got to look at ways to challenge yourself and draw from those who are great at what they do. How can I learn from it? How can I continue to push what it is I do so that I'm not sitting, you know, um, uh, leveling out. I need to continue to push myself and learn. And I think that's where for me, um, you know, trying to surround myself with people, which is not difficult that are a lot smarter than I am, um, uh, that, that continue to push me or, you know, young people who are looking at this business different than the way that I do, um, and I think those are things that are refreshing that, that just kind of keep you going. That's really interesting. We had Calais on for the last podcast, and he was saying how he studied Bill Gates and studied Warren Buffett and, and was able to learn, thing from th- learn things from them. 
And uh, just like, I mean, Coach Saban always said, you're getting better, you're getting worse. Nobody stays the same. So it's just always looking for different ways that you can elevate your game. I mean, you're, you're constantly finding new ways to get better and, and always competing. Agree, agree. And I think that's, I think that's in anything you do. Um, and, you know, it, it's one for, for me that, that I'm constantly challenging myself that way. Um, and, you know, where, where I'm at now in my career and, and being with the, you know, the sons, it's, it's one that, um, you know, I've got really good people around me, uh, folks that I've respected in this industry for a long time. Um, and, and that's kind of been one for me that kind of has reinvigorated that pursuit of how, how can we be different? How can we be unique? Um, how can we flip things on their side? Uh, and make people think about um, the way that we do business in a different way. And that's exciting. Tell me about the team side. So you were with 24 Hour Fitness and now you're with the Suns. What, what, what is the transition like? How did you get um, in, into the team side of, of the sports marketing? Yeah, so it, it's one for me of I when I was at 24 Hour Fitness, I, I went to the World Series, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, went to everything I could ever imagine from a sports perspective. I mean, it was a gig where like all my buddies are like, man, how did you end up in that? Like, what a great opportunity. But I watched these games and I had nobody to cheer for. It, it was one that I just, I was missing watching a game and actually having it matter. Um, and so I started building these relationships with all these teams that I had done partnerships with. And it said, hey, you know, I think I really want to work for a team at some point. Um, well, one of the things that I didn't do is I didn't sell. I managed partnerships and I, you know, handled that side of the business and built the relationships and stuff there, but I hadn't sold. Um, so I had to um, look at it and say, okay, if this is something I wanted to do, um, you know, let me kind of leave this opportunity and, and see what I can do to sell. So I had been a, I had had a relationship with Special Olympics um, when I was an athlete and I had a relationship with them when I was at 24 Hour Fitness and I took a leap of faith and went to Special Olympics as director of marketing and partnerships and kind of jumped both feet in and started selling from scratch. Um, did that for about three years. And then the door opened for me of looking at either going to work with John Elway's uh, brand new arena football team in Colorado or going to work for the Trailblazers. Um, in Portland, we felt like was a great opportunity for us. I loved the relationships I had with the folks in the organization there and felt like this was going to be an opportunity. But I went from you know, being a director uh, in the role that I was in to being a kind of corporate sales person and having to cut my teeth and kind of making my way through it um, and went into an environment there that was, you know, six other sellers who were all veterans who had been there uh, that were great at what they did. So for me, it was twofold. One, learn from them, take what I could from them, but also it was the competitiveness. Like, man, I had to earn my way and I was going to bust my tail for it. And it, it was, it's hard. Um, you know, especially when you first get into it, um, you know, you're making, you know, uh, 500 plus phone calls to try to do 10 deals. Um, and it's a, a lot of no's, um, a lot of navigating your story. That's part of the biggest thing that like I tell young people who work for us or young people that, um, you know, I talk to about, kind of this business and stuff is you got to learn your story. What what is that story? Cuz I'm a big storyteller and I think that you know they're going to buy they're going to buy you as much as they're going to buy the organization and the assets of what you bring to the table. So what what is that story of 
you know, how you can make a difference for their brand and what your organization stands for and, and how you can make that impact. So kind of once I got involved on the team side and started learning what our story was and how can we, how we could affect their brand and their organization, it really took off for me. And, and it was challenging. Uh, my first, oh gosh, three years there, we were the, you know, known as the jail blazers and I'd call people and I'd be like, Hey, it's Tom Fletcher with the blazers and people would hang up. And it was like, Oh gosh. So we had to learn of how can we affect their brand? Even if they weren't, big fans of who our players were. Um, and it really made uh, a difference in, in how you could dive deeper into what they did, but also deeper into how we could affect change for them, even if they didn't want to associate with the logo at the time until we turned it around. And then, holy cow, we struck lightning in a bottle. In 06, we drafted Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge in the same draft. And you got real, you got a lot smarter overnight um, and what you did, um, because people were pretty excited about where the organization was going. And I'll tell you the the next year was probably one of my, my greatest moments in this business and in sports, uh, in 07, uh, going into the draft lottery, we had gone through so much, um, you know, 30 days in my employment, we laid off 88 people. Like that's how I started at the team. It was like, Holy cow, what is this? Um, and my wife was like, you know, we just went from warm and fuzzy Special Olympics, and you're going in and we're laying off 88 people. What the heck? Um, and so we got to 07, the draft lottery. And I think we were slated at the, call it the number seven pick or uh, somewhere around there. And the ping pong balls came up and they got to number seven. We weren't there. And this was the draft lottery where it was Odin and Durant. And so for us, it was like, man, if we could get to one or two, holy cow, this would be unbelievable. Um, so then, um, number, um, five comes up, six comes up. We're not there. So we know we're in the top four. They go to commercial break where we've got this draft party with like 250 people going nuts. Um, number four comes up. It's not us. Number three comes up. It's not us. People started crying. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of those ones, the emotions of where it was. We knew either way we were going to have Duran. Yeah. And then number two comes up It's Seattle. Number one comes up, it's us. Uh, now, again, oh, we drafted Odin. You know, Greg got hurt. Great young man, by the way. Love that kid. But it was one where that night we all go back to the office and we became ticket sellers. Yeah. And we, you know, it was amazing to watch the energy that was in that city um, of what the power of sports was um, and stuff there. And that was one for me. I was like, okay. This is what I'm doing for the rest of my my life. Is um, it's I mean you see it on Twitter when people talk about you know hashtag sports and the power of sports and what that does. I mean I talk you know to 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 our team uh, a lot and the fact that you know we get jaded in what we do. We're down by the court. It's cool, but it's like oh we're down there. It, it's it's one of those ones you take you take uh, it for granted. But then you watch a young person. And you watch a father, son, mother, daughter, um, whatever it ends up being at their first game. And they get a chance to go down on the court and be close to that. And you watch the eyes light up. And I tell our folks, do that in a pregame. If you feel like, ah, you're, you're feeling a little off, go sit down by the court in pregame yeah. and watch those young people's eyes light up. And I go, that's why we do what we do. There's an energy down because there. Because of that. Oh, 
it's 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 the energy. I mean, that's what we're all missing right now of watching these games on TV with no fans and stuff there. We're obviously blessed and, and thankful that we're back playing. But those are the things that are missing is those first-time moments of going to a game, somebody catching a ball on a home run in the outfield, um, you know, those type of things that are those first-time moments where, um, you know, the the energy behind it. Um, but that's that's sports. That's the power of sports. And, and that's why, for me, it's one where, I'll, I'll be in it till I'm done. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's it's amazing the connection uh, and the energy and the camaraderie that, that sports brings to a community. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, even if you look at, and, and again, just kind of railing off topic here, you look at the, the social injustice stuff that we're, we're all navigating right now, and you look at the, the power of what a organization can do. And that's where for us, you know, we got two great leaders, in regards to, I mean, multiple great leaders in our organization, but our head coach and our GM are, are two uh, strong leaders that are going to help lead us within our community uh, to help uh, kind of push an initiative where we feel we can make a difference on, uh, where there's not a whole lot of people that are in that same position as we are to be able to affect change. Um, and that's one that I couldn't be more proud of to be a part of an organization like I am in, in Phoenix here. Um, that that has strong leadership like that and ownership uh, that that supports those type of uh, efforts as well. Tell me about how you're interacting with brands in terms of like all the social issues that are going on right now. Because um, I mean, there's a there's a ton of brands that are you know spending a lot of money and and donating to the cause, and then there's a, a lot of brands that are kind of staying away from it. How do you kind of navigate? you know, the waters in, in what's going on right now. I mean, with COVID and with all the social issues, because some people are so anti-sport, some people can't wait for sports to get back. And then everybody is is trying to navigate the waters for the social issues. How do you, I mean, how, how do you do all that with brands? I'll tell you, it is one, uh, I talked to uh, a buddy of mine this weekend uh, who works for the you know Dallas Mavericks. And we were kind of, you know, messaging back and forth, talking through it that we'll never, um, uh, I don't think in our lifetime, um, you know, navigate what we have in 2020, kind of moving forward from, you know, COVID and and kind of what that has presented uh, to it, um, you know, for shutting down sports, uh, shutting down business, um, you know, the fact that I mean, every week I'm I'm talking to four or five people who are out of out of the job and what what it is that they're looking for, um, and then you know the the platform from a Social injustice perspective, you know, and and you know, uh, rightfully so, and 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 the timing of it, and be able to kind of be able to leverage an impact uh, where that goes. And so for us, it's one where um, you know, in COVID, um, I think we've done a, a great job in our organization of just being lockstep with our partners, talking to them when the whole thing got shut down, uh, communicating with them throughout. Of what's your position? Number one, how's your business? And everything going with your business. Um, how can we help be a part of that? You know, we started up uh, NBA 2K games on Twitch when the whole thing kind of happened. Of how can we run messages for partners and how can we keep st- keep relevant and be able to stay relevant for us and for our partners? And that was kind of that navigation through there. Um, then it was, man, we got um, you know the opportunity of the reboot of the league. We were one of the 22 teams to be able to reboot in Orlando. Then it was reaching out to partners going, okay, are you ready to kind of start running your messaging again? And we had some partners who were like, 
look, you know, we 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 don't want to run anything right now because you know we feel like our business isn't in the place where um, it ties through with the reboot. Let's hold off. We had other partners who were like, "Let's go! Um, we're we're fired up, we're excited, and we're uh, ready to be a part of that." Um, then it was having the conversations with the partners on the the social justice side. Is like, look, here's where our platform is going to be from the league perspective, and it's still being worked on. I mean, you know, we, we're we're fortunate in the fact that we've got a, uh, I, I think, the best commissioner in sports in Adam Silver. Um, and, you know, Adam and the league are putting a great platform together for the NBA and WNBA of what that's going to look like. And you're seeing it right now. And the fact that both of our courts have back Black Lives Matter tied to it. Um, we have, you know, social injustice message on our shooting shirts, on our jerseys, all those things. And those are huge platforms of where it's at. And so part of that is we're, we're going to have that league initiative of what it looks like. Um, and then from our team, our ownership down, we're going to have our platform that ties back to the league and what that looks like. And then it'll be working with partners um, and kind of having some influential partners who are kind of part of a steering committee of kind of their involvement. But what does it look like for them? And how can we leverage kind of that piece of it in the right way and not being one where it's, hey, put your name with this because you know it's a great message and a platform? No way. What are you going to do to help affect change? And that's the one that's important for us is authenticity of how we can make an impact and make a difference versus just throwing your name uh, as a part of it and not being um, as engaged and difference making for there. And I think that's the piece for, you know, my um, kind of, you know, teammate who I'm lockstep with is, is uh, his name is Dan Costello and he's our CRO. Um, And one of the things that we've kind of, linked our arms in is the fact that, you know, we want partnerships that are number one, that are going to work together. How can we make sure all of our partners have a relationship together and, and we can be able to be unique, different, authentic, um, and be able to leverage our sons platform and our Mercury platform, uh, to be able to make a difference for them, not just right now, but for the long term. Um, and that's the, the thing I think for us is, you know, our organization is driven on relationships. How can we have strong relationships with our partners? Um, and as much as we make a difference for our organization and our ownership group, we want to, you know, do as much, if not more, for their brand, their organization. And part of that's just, you know, again, having the, having, having the conversation and building a partnership that is one that works for them it's not putting package A, B, or C together. You're going to have the gold package or the silver package or the bronze. No way. Build it for you know how it makes a difference for their business um, and straight with authenticity. Kind of piggybacking on that question, this has been a uh, kind of a, a new trend as of late. Like Kyrie Irvin, uh, he teamed up with UBS and pledged $1.5 million to the WNBA players. Drew Brees, he uh, teamed up with uh, Oceaner Health. And, and they're going to give $5 million away. When you have brands that are going out to the individual players and the individual athletes, and you're like having to compete against that, what is that dynamic like in the building? It's a good question. Um, you know, that's one that is, is unique uh, for sure. Um, you know, and we have, you know, um, two budding superstars on, on our end, um, on, the, on the Sun side with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And, and Devin has great relationships on the brand side of it. Um, and then on the Mercury side, 
I think we have the greatest player uh, to, to play the game um, in Diana Taurasi. Um, and so, you know, Diana's got great relationships with different brands. So for us, it's one where, um, you know, we try to, as, as much as we can, have a relationship with the brand that our players may have a relationship with. Because that way, that brand can be able to promote that athlete in uniform if they have a partnership with us. If they don't, the athlete has to be in just, you know, regular workout clothes or whatever it ends up being. There's not that brand synergy to there. Um, so part of what we do is look at, you know, with our, our players, you know, it's a survey of what brands are they fired up about? What, what um, are their hobbies? What are those things? So that we can start looking at partnership that ties back to um, what our players' passions may be. Um, then it's up to the agents and the brand to do a deal because we can't um, negotiate that. It's up to them to create that relationship. But if we can do something with a brand that has that tie back to that player, it's a great tie there. But, you know, and you know this uh, as well as I do, it, it's so changing right now. And you look at what's going to happen with college and the fact that college athletes are now going to be able to have that that brand tie. It's going to start so much earlier than it does today because today you got to wait for a player to establish themselves at the next level for them to have that brand relationship. Now you're going to have folks on the college level where it's, you know, a Trevor Lawrence or, you know, last year in Tua, whatever it ends up being there, where those high level college athletes are going to start being able to leverage their Instagram, their Twitter, and those things to be able to elevate where that's at. I mean, shoot, The Rock. Um, you know, I, I played against Dwayne way back in the in the early '90s. He's getting a million dollars right now for an Instagram post. Yeah. And so you look at where that 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 tie is through there. Um, you know, and and he played at the U when you know those guys were were the thing. And so you look at again those big brands of them starting to build that now in college and take it to the next level. You know, do they need us if they have the player relationship? Sometimes, um, again, we try to create that synergy of, hey, be able to use our logo, be able to use the uniform, and be able to amplify that with our partners in a way through our media um, and assets for there. So we certainly try to leverage where that's at. Um, but it's it's different because, again, I can't, I can't turn around and do a brand deal for a player. We used to back in the day, but we can't do that anymore. So it does become kind of a balancing act on that you brought up the nil man i gotta i gotta talk to you about the nil how do you feel about it i uh I, I think that athletes are i mean more deserving than ever for getting paid for their name and likeness um yep. and, and what they contribute i i'm not worried about Tua. i'm not worried about trevor lawrence i'm worried about kind of like the the guys in the middle i fear that they're going to get a lot of bad advice and I, I fear that it's 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 going to it's going to be detrimental to those people what do you think i mean i know you're with ing for a while you've done a lot in the college world uh just uh, i would love to hear kind of your uh, your your view on it it's oh, it's dicey um it, it's one where the 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 challenging part for me is you know i know the value of a scholarship right is you know, you look at a scholarship athlete at Bama, you know, and that's fifty to fifty-five thousand dollars a year um, that it's not costing that athlete or that family um, to go to school there, um, and that's huge. Um, but I also know what the TV contracts are. I also know what the partnership piece of it is, and it's huge. It's significant, um, and they've got great amenities, great assets, and those things. So, um, 
you know, when I was in school, I was part of a committee where we were pushing to be able to have um, that minimum offset of what the scholarship didn't cover. Um, what are those things that you could get to where, um, you know, your car broke down and maybe you can't afford to kind of do stuff? What's the what's those minimum numbers? Well, now they have that um, uh, as part of it. And I think that was a good um, addition to uh, the college athlete scholarship to be able to have that full cost of tuition, to be able to have the uh, unlimited food and, and those things that are a part of it and stuff there. Those things are good. Uh, to be able to leverage your brand now, if you've got a million followers on on Twitter and Instagram, I think each um, uh, university is going to have to add someone like the background that I had at IMG, where you can start coaching and working with these athletes to not go down uh, the rabbit hole uh, that, number one, would get them in trouble uh, or um, start turning their whole uh, brand into um, an infomercial yeah. and things like that. It's it's going to be hard. Um, it's going to be hard to monitor uh, so that you don't have a a donors company that is going to do a deal with that uh, individual and 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 how to manage and and, and uh, balance that. It, it's going to be hard. There's going to be some missteps um, and stuff there. Um, but you know, again, when I look at those high level athletes that are there and they're you know like for us. Uh, when I was in college, you know, Marshall, Marshall put us on the map um, at San Diego State. And, and it was one where if, if that was there for him during that time, he deserved all the accolades for where that was at. And he should have, you know, um, uh, been rewarded for the 28 jersey being sold, uh, you know, in the um, in the stores and and all those things. I, I would have been for that. Um, and stuff there, but it, it's it's going to be a slippery slope. I, I, I think it's going to be tough for the ADs to um, keep their arms around it um, and kind of see where it goes, but it'll be interesting to watch. I'm uh, hoping I can get Matt Self. He's the head compliance guy at Alabama. I'm, I'm hoping I can get him on the podcast. I haven't reached out to him yet. I got to give him a call this week, but I, I just think this is such an yeah. interesting topic, um, and I, I'm hoping that the schools kind of come in on the front end and, and do all the the heavy lifting for the guys I just I fear that a guy's going to see you know a five thousand ten thousand dollar deal and and sacrifice his his whole career his whole education and you know for for five thousand dollars that's that that's just uh it, it's and I know it's going to happen I mean I, there's guys yeah. that have sacrificed their whole education for a lot less and I mean you were talking earlier about the importance of of going and getting that degree and. Uh, I worry about it. I worry, but at the same time, I think that they're very deserving of it. It's 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 such a, a difficult issue, you know. I I agree. I mean, again, when you look at the college football playoff and the amount of money that's generated out of that, you look at March Madness and the amount of money that's generated out of where that's at. And should a Zion Williamson um, be able to take advantage and leverage that with his brand and the fact that. You know, people are tuning in to watch Duke because of the fact that he's a part of it yeah. um, and, and be able to leverage that brand. Yes. But, but how do you, how do you do that and police it in the, in the right way? It's, it's going to be, I think the bigger, the power five schools will, I think will do a better job of kind of keeping their arms around it because they have the number of people in the support system to, to keep an eye on that and track that. I think it'll be the um, kind of the group of five or the smaller schools that, that are going to have a, a tougher time policing that opportunity for it. You're not, but it's it's going to be interesting. You're not going to like this question, but do you think that the 
like the individual athlete, do you think that, that individual individual's brand will ever get bigger than a team's brand? You were playing and you're hmm. talking about Marshall Falk. I think I mean it, it it is it has grown exponentially since then, right? Like people LeBron James yeah. fans. They're not a fan of, you know, wherever he's playing. They're a fan of LeBron James. Do you ever think that that a, 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 the individual brand just completely take over the team? Well, and, and it has gotten bigger because, again, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the Internet uh, when I was playing in college and, and all that stuff. So now, you know, it, it's created the opportunity for somebody to build the brand from there. I think it is going to be rare and unique for a player's brand to be bigger than a team brand. And you bring up the uniqueness of a LeBron, a Kobe, um, you know, um, even like, you know, Patrick Mahomes right now is, is becoming that big piece of it. The The thing that I um, loved about college is college is one where every four years the players change. The brand at a university is always going to be bigger than the athletes that they're uh, in the pros. It's player driven. Um, in the, in the, you know, it's one where there were folks that couldn't care less about the Cleveland Cavaliers. They got LeBron and they became big Cleveland Cavaliers fans. He left and went to Miami. Um, they stopped caring about the Cavaliers. They became Miami Heat fans and and they follow the players of where they go and are able to tie to that. Then you look at the fact of players now being able to leverage and dictate a trade, which had never happened before. Um, and those brands become, their individual brands become uh, elevated there. But I think it's going to be, it's that very rare error of athletes, in my opinion, that stand bigger than maybe what a team is because of, of, of what they've done to build their brand away from the court, the field. Um, any of those. And it, it's, it is unique um, uh, on that side. And, and you're going to have, because of that player, um, you know, they're going to, if they go to another team, those there's going to be fans that follow that team now because of who that player is. Um, if I'm a loyal Yankee fan and Aaron Judge goes to another team, you know, I, I may be a fan of that team now because of where Aaron Judge is from a brand perspective. But, it, but it's, I think it's going to be very, very limited that it plays that way. All right. I want to talk to you about the Suns now. I had to get that out, I had to get that out of the way. But uh, hey, yeah. so you've been, you were just hired, what, like six, six months, eight months ago? Is that right? So it's, it's been a year. It's, right. it's, it's literally been uh, just, just a, ha a little bit over a year. Um, I want to brag about you a little bit. The, the president and CEO, Jason Raleigh, when he hired you, said, we are absolutely thrilled to add someone of Tom's caliber to our business leadership team. Tom brings a wealth of experience at the highest levels of the industry, and his vision will help innovate and elevate our approach to partnerships. With a proven track record of success and a talent for developing relationships, he'll be a tremendous asset in helping us grow our business. Tom, that is just incredible to hear, man. That's got to make you feel good. Uh, fantastic. And, and I'll tell you, um, you know, Jason is our, our president, our leadership team, um, you know, from that statement. And then a year later, um, it's only gotten better in regards to what I thought I was walking into um, versus, you know, where we are today. Um, you know, it's a great organization. And, you know, I think through, um, you know, the face of adversity that we've had this year um, with the COVID piece of it, but you know, we were a team that won 19 games the year before, and and we've had such a great year on the business side, uh, on the the ticket side of the business, 
um, and what we're building on the court. Um, it, it's been one of those ones where um, you know I was I was proud to join the organization a year ago, and I couldn't be more proud to be a part of it a year later. What's it like competing against the other Phoenix teams? You got the Cardinals, you got the Diamondbacks. How do you separate yourself? Uh, say if a brand you know wants to do a deal in Phoenix, we want to have you know some some space in Phoenix. How do you try to persuade them to come you know to the Suns or the Mercury? How do you deal with that. How yeah, yeah. If you got a brand, if if they're going to go with the Mercury or the Suns. So it is it is unique for me in the fact that it, it is different than where when I was in the pros previously in Portland, we were the only game in town. Um, as I was kind of getting towards the end of my career in Portland, the Timbers came on. So it was kind of the first time where we were starting to compete. But in our market, you know, we we have everything. Not only do we have the, you know, um, the four major sports, we also have NASCAR. We have unbelievable golf here yeah. uh, when it's you look at Waste Management Open. It is. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and so there's there's a competition, uh, uh, and then you know, ASU, U of A. There's there's competition for the dollar all over the place. I think for us, it's been one where um, you know is be able to leverage how we can truly impact their brand uh, and their organization, and being authentic, um, being one where you know we're reaching out and we we feel like if we reach out and try to have a conversation about how we can impact their organization is to really dive into their brand. And the fact that we feel through the assets that we have, it's a great vehicle to be able to um, impact where their organization is going. I think for us, the thing that makes us unique is we own everything. We own our TV, we own our radio, um, we you know manage and, and, and run our building. Um, so for us, I, and same thing with digital, where Major League Baseball doesn't, doesn't do that. Um, from a team perspective. Um, so for us, it's a one-stop shop. And I think for, you know, we can put a uh, 360, um, you know, 360 day a year program together for a brand to be able to leverage that. That's through the Suns, that's through the Mercury, um, that's through our out-of-home district that we do between our joint partnership with the Diamondbacks in the city. Um, so I think for us, we, we are unique in that. We're also the original team. Um, you know, started in 1968, we, we were the original team in the market. Um, I think we've got great brand loyalty and, um, you know, that's been built out in this market. And I think the thing is, is, you know, we, we are not ones who are um, ruthless in the pursuit of business. Um, I think we're calculated in how we reach out to partners and where we think we could, you know, we're big in tech and we're big in be able to leverage our shared partnerships. So when we look at um, a brand, it's how does that tie to the other 100 partners that we have? And how can we make sure that those folks work together? But we also want to pursue a brand that makes as much of a difference for us as we can for them. And so how are they leveraging us in the marketplace and using our brand and putting it out there as well, too? And I think those things are important for us. And, and I think, you know, from our uh, ownership down, our head coach, I mean, shoot, if you listen to Monty Williams in an interview, how could you not support and want to be a part of what, you know, he's building and James Jones, our GM to there. And again, you look at our players on the Mercury side, you know, we got three Team USA players on our roster. Um, we've got good people uh, that are a part of that. And and again, if I'm a brand, um, I, you know, I would want to be a part of where that uh, our organization is going.
Tom, you're a natural born seller, man. That was beautiful. Ah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Been in uh, well, a long time. <laughs> Talk about the sales climate right now. How has it been trying to sell during COVID? It is. Uh, or are you just trying to tough. manage the the partnerships that you already have? No, I, I think we're you know we're we're putting you know a quarter billion dollars right now into our arena in a renovation. We're building a brand new practice facility in downtown Scottsdale as well too. Um, so we've got a lot of investment going in. It's made it unique for us because we have. Um, some great new assets that we're bringing to the table. So partners are wanting to be a part of where that's at. And I think it's unique for us versus other um, sports teams uh, in the country. And the fact that the renovation has really um, been a, a great thing for us. So we've done really well on the ticket side of the business. We've done really well this summer on the partnership side, but it it is, it is very, very unique. In 0809, when we had the, um, uh, the recession, um, it was one where um, it, it was it was unique in the fact that hey you could discount a deal down and you can look at kind of the business a little bit different. In COVID, you know, there's partners who are wondering if they're going to keep their doors open. They're wondering if we're going to open the doors back up with fans in it for 2021 and what that looks like. Um, I think what it's caused you to do is be more nimble, um, be more creative uh, in the fact of like when we start playing these real games again on Thursday, Friday, you're, we're going to have AR signage. We're going to have things that we've never done that are going to be unique and different. We're leveraging our social media like we never have and creating new content that is unique and different. But you're calling a partner or a brand and, and you're, you're trying to be, um, you know, uh, understanding of the fact that, hey, where's their business at? And, and, you know, do they want to engage? Do they want to have a conversation? And there's a, there, you know, there's a lot that don't. And it's like, okay, cool. We'll we'll talk as we go down the road, but we're here to help and we're here to be a part of it. But then there's others where you're calling and they're like, hey, we would absolutely we would absolutely love to look at where this goes and let's have that conversation. So it's a delicate dance in regards to how you're looking at it. Certainly we're we're um, you know looking in-house with our partners that are with us now and how can we make sure we take care of them? Um, and again, we're fortunate in the fact that we're in the reboot of the NBA. We're fortunate that WNBA is is uh, starting back up as well too, and we have the opportunity to you know showcase our partners and TV on the court and those things and those two opportunities there. But we also know that we're going to open up our doors um, to a brand new building in the renovation that's going to have awesome clubs, um, awesome new LED assets for our partners, and we're going to be able to amplify their brand in a way that we hadn't before. And from that perspective, uh, we're excited about where that's at. And you know, I would I would say I'm you know so proud of our team, uh, our our team on the global partnership side, from our activation and our sales side of of navigating our partners and working with our partners in the right way. Um, and then same thing with our uh, ticket and marketing side of our business, and the fact that we've created these unique opportunities for our members. Um, and I think that we've brought it to them in the right way, in an authentic way. The other part of it is is Look, if we're playing without fans, you know we're we're going to find suitable make goods. We're going to find the right way to do it, um, or you know we're going to discount it or or give that money back. And so I think we've tried to create it in a way that there's you know um, uh, folks are going to have creativity and folks are going to have the opportunity to um, uh, not be locked in if we're not doing it the right way. Tom, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much for your time. 
Uh, and thank you for, man, answering all my questions throughout the past years and, and being a, a, a great mentor to me and helping me navigate this uh, this post-football career business world. Uh, it, it has been totally different. So I really appreciate, I mean, everything, you know, you've done for me and being there for me. So, all right. I appreciate that. And you're welcome. And, and I have loved working with you and I'm excited for what's ahead for you. And obviously, uh, at Professional Sports Partners here, uh, I wouldn't have... Uh, introduced you there if I didn't feel like Jason and team uh, uh, have a phenomenal group. So I'm going to flip it back on you. Um, what What is different than what you thought it would be um, in, a, uh, in a great way? And what's been more challenging than what you thought it would be stepping into this next career? Okay. All right. Um, different in a great way is when I was playing, there was people that, uh, I mean, athletes, guys that I played with that were just right they were I mean always on point never missed a beat always did the right thing stayed in you know late got in there early and it's interesting to see at the agency that I'm working for now I feel like everybody is like that and it's not that I didn't think that they existed or anything like that but it's just they they tried just as hard but in a in a real world like in a business world kind of sense and um I was just naive to think that that there weren't people out there like that. You know, um, everybody talks about, you know, how they grind in the business world. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You're not, you know, doing training for anything like that. But uh, I mean, the, the people that I'm working with now are some hustlers, man. They, they really are. Um, I mean, Jason, I mean, he, he can sell anything. I mean, he, he's oh, yeah. beautiful. I, I've listened to some of his sales calls and just taken notes. And then Tamara, she's number two. And I mean, she loves this, man. She loves every bit of, of, of what we're doing in our agency and all the things you talked about, helping partners. Um, for anybody listening, we, we represent brands and, and kind of negotiate deals with Tom on the team side. And I mean, uh, our agency is doing everything they can to, to protect our brands and, and get everything, you know, everything we can out of guys like Tom. So that, that, that's something that is, I guess, the, the, one, the, the biggest thing that stuck out is, you know, you got guys that are, you know, just freaks on the field, super athletic. And then you have the business side of, of it, too, of, of people just doing incredible things that, that I, I, I mean, I can't do. Like, I'm just good at throwing a ball between my legs. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting that. Uh, something that has been a struggle for me. Um, I guess just, I mean, knowing, not knowing what I don't know, you know, uh, it's just been a huge learning curve. Everything has, has been around, you know, football and even smaller than that, it's been about special teams. So just everything is brand new to me. And uh, I mean, I'm loving it so far, but it has been like <laughs> uh, I'll be uh, I'll show my humility here. I was trying to get Tom on the uh, calendar invite and I sent him the day, but I didn't have the time. And he had to message me back and say, hey, man, we're going to do it at this time, not the time that you sent. And it's just like, it's just little things like that. They're just yeah. I'm not used to doing, but uh, I'm getting there, man. I'm learning and I'm enjoying it. And uh, I'm glad that, I mean, I, I'm glad I got you on my side to help me out. And I'm glad that uh, I think I've gotten on everybody's nerves here at our agency, trying to, trying to pick their brain and figure things out. So uh, I'm loving it though. Well, but what's, you, what you're learning though, is you're, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you're learning your story. You're, you're learning um, what works for you. Um, and I think that's the important thing because what's going to work for you is going to be different than what works for Jason or what works for me. Um, and so what is, what is that approach when you're calling a cold, uh, cold lead 
um, how are you approaching that? And again, that storytelling piece of it, um, when you're you know, dealing with the challenge and how do you navigate those pieces of it, you're gonna draw from those people around you who are great um, and be able to be your own authentic self. Um, and that's what people are going to lean towards. Um, I think one of the things that, you know, again, like Finch, uh, you and and those folks who who I've been fortunate to meet through this, you know, long snapping fraternity and that I've, you know, tried to help get into this business is, you know, its presence. One of the things I talk about is if if you're a seller, you don't need to be as boisterous or you know, things like I am um, and stuff there, but I should know when you walk in a room and I should know that um, there's somebody who has leadership, presence, command when they walk into that room. And that's what separates, I think, people that are great in this business from people who are eh, okay um, from there. And I think that's one where the the sports piece of it helps build that and the confidence because you know it every day. There's somebody younger, bigger, stronger, faster, that wants your job every day. And if you approach this business the same way, um, that there is somebody stronger, faster, hungrier, sharper, better education, more internships than you had and all that, and they want your job tomorrow, and you approach every day that way, man, you have great opportunity to to flourish in this business if you approach it, in my opinion, that way. Coach me, coach. There you go. There you go. All, All right. right. So we, we end every podcast. Uh, the name of the podcast is Going For It. So I'm going to talk to you about a moment that you went for it. Uh, you took a huge risk. You know, you, you did something that everybody was telling you that wouldn't work, uh, but it paid off. And it and it's it's why you are where you are today. So tell me, tell me, a go, tell me you're going for it moment. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, I, I, I referenced it earlier and it was um, you know, leaving the security of a job at 24 hour fitness where, you know, it was a phenomenal gig in regards to what I was able to do. Um, I didn't have to chase the business. Um, it was one where teams came to me. Um, and it was one where I, I left that job because I wanted to work for a team and I didn't immediately go work for a team. I had to go prove myself. I had to go sell at a, at special Olympics for a handful of years to, to prove myself. And if I didn't do that, and if I didn't pull that off, where would my path have gone? If I had taken that leap like I did and I wasn't successful selling for those three years that I did, um, you know, no team would have hired me. Um, and then it was like, oh, where do I go now? Like th- this, this is where I wanted to go. This is the opportunity I wanted ahead of me. And so it was one for me that, you know, I, I left an opportunity um, to not chase a title. I chased a career path of where I wanted to go. And for me, it was one that that was a, a huge risk on, on my end to to leave that security and that comfort to go prove myself. Um, and then, you know, leaving there to go work in Portland where I went right back to being a, a sales manager as opposed to a director and having to prove myself and cut my teeth again um, you know, that was one for me that, uh, um, was, was a scary time and being married, you know, we had, we had already had, uh, Thomas at that point and it was like, holy cow, um, I've got to make this work. Um, and that was one that was a, a scary piece of it. And, you know, on, on that note, one of the, one of the things that for me that, um, has been a, a big driver in those risk taking or those leaps 
um, is, and it's, it's hard for young people today, but I, I talk about it a lot of don't chase the title, don't chase the money, chase the opportunity. Um, and I, and that's hard. Um, you know, it's one where, um, do something that's going to get you out of bed in the morning and make you do cartwheels, whatever that ends up being. Um, and I think that's one of the hardest transitions for, you know, that you and I talked about, and I talk about to athletes all the time of guys who are getting out of whatever sport they're in that are, you know, making great money. And now they're going to go into a profession where they're going to make 50 to 75 grand or whatever it is. And how do they adjust to that? You're adjusting to that path, that thing that's going to fire you up, get you excited um, and not chase that. If you chase the title and you chase the money, um, you're going to constantly be doing that for your career as opposed to truly enjoying and becoming great at what it is you do. Those opportunities will present itself when you earn your wares and do great in the role that you're in and continue to push that. And, and those are things that I think are important because I think a lot of young people today are looking to get promoted quickly, are looking to get the, the bump quickly, as opposed to truly learning the art of what it is that, that we do in this business. Um, and those opportunities will come. Tom, that's beautiful, man. That's, that's beautiful. I appreciate you so much you coming go. on and just, man, you got so much wisdom. Uh, and especially about sports marketing. I had no idea that that you were uh, the one that was putting 24-hour fitness and teams together and Cindy Crawford and Shaquille O'Neal. Now everybody's trying to get with Shaq. You were the first one, man. No, we were we were fortunate. Mark, uh, our, our CEO, had a, a great relationship with Shaq. And, and you talk about a leap. You know, Mark was one who took a leap uh, and we, you know, was able to start looking at the business in a different way. And still today, 25 years later, he's a pioneer in the industry uh, of what he's been able to do post 24-hour fitness. And he's one of the owners of the Sacramento Kings, which is always a passion for his to be in ownership. And so I was very fortunate to have, uh, in everywhere I've been, really good people around me uh, that that I was able to lean on and learn from uh, and be able to draw from that, You know, whether it was you know 24-hour fitness, Special Olympics, the, the Trailblazers. IMG for eight years. I mean, just unbelievable people I was around during that time. And, you know, I, I never thought I would, you know, find um, kind of that that family niche like I had in Portland again. And I've been able to find that in Phoenix. And, um, you know, this is where I hope my last run's going to be in this. And and uh, love being with the people that were around every day uh, here with the Sons of the Mercury. And, and very blessed to see where we're going. Perfect. Well, Tom, good luck to you, man. Good luck this season. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to having you on again sometime. I look forward to it, man. Hey, congrats on your podcast. Uh, looking forward to seeing this thing continue to take off. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to Tom. So many great stories, so much insight. He's about seeing it all in this industry. Just thankful I can call him a mentor. Thankful I can call him a friend. Thank you again to the listeners for listening. Please subscribe. Please give us a rating. Reach out to me on Twitter if you have any feedback. I'm not hard to find, at Carson Tink. And just thanks again. Keep coming back. We got some great people lined up, loaded with more content to, to give to you guys. Really excited about the future of where the podcast is heading. So just thanks again for listening, everyone. See you later.